You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save thy Once upon a time, I was a soccer player. And... Um, there's not much to tell you about my soccer career. I was not extraordinarily gifted at the game. Um, I, uh, I played with heart. Um, I only really had two advantages. Uh, one was that I could run the whole hour and a half of a game without stopping for a break. So they didn't need to sub for me. Um, and the other thing I had going for me was that I really didn't have an ego. I didn't mind wherever they put me was fine. I didn't need to be the one who scored the goals. I didn't mind being the guy on the assist or even further back in the line. Um, it, was a, it, was, um, it was an interesting couple of years of my life. I, I loved playing, uh, but I was never especially good at it. Although occasionally I could get a hold of it and just clear that ball pretty well. Um, so they put me at midfield. If you don't know how soccer works, midfield is just that. You're in the middle of the field, and your job is to run forward with the forwards and backwards with the defense, and forward with the forwards, and backwards with the defense, and you just kind of run up and down the field the whole time. My coach was my best friend's father, had known me since I was very little, um, and was a... how do I say this? Frank about my giftedness or lack thereof. Um, but, he, but he, he did appreciate that I could keep running, so he kept me in the game. Um, well, one day we were playing the absolute worst game we had ever played. We were 10 minutes into our first 45-minute half, and um, we were already two scores down, 10 minutes in. And... Uh, it was looking disastrous because our front line was not penetrating much past the halfway point. And um, our coach blows the time out, calls us all in, circles us up and says, uh, okay, we got to change up what we're doing here. Jenkins. I'm not used to being called on when there's a critical play. <laughs> yes, I'm putting you on sweeper. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> We had never practiced sweeper. Um, sweeper's a little different than midfield. Whereas midfield runs back and forth on the field, sweeper runs side to side on the field. Um, and basically, the job of the sweeper, we went from a three-person defense to four-person plus the goalie. Um, and what that meant was, he said, he said, Jenkins, here's what you're going to do. When someone comes on the left side, you get behind the defender. When he gets past him, then you hit him. And when, he runs, when the ball gets kicked to the other side, you run to the other side. And do the same thing. And you're going to go back and forth the whole game and help them block. Because I don't think we're going to get many scores today. <laughs> well, it worked. And we, we actually held them to only two scores for the rest of the time the game played. And it was like the one moment in my inglorious career that I had the opportunity to be the right guy in the right place at the right time. <laughs> And it felt pretty good. <laughs> well, that is what we are celebrating today. 
at the ascension of our Lord. The ascension of our Lord always comes on a Thursday because we're told in the scriptures that Jesus was with them for 40 days and then we know Pentecost happens 50 days after the resurrection. So these sort of 10 days of dead air while Jesus is getting ready to send the Holy Spirit. But because it always falls on a Thursday, it's always the option of the pastor to kick it up to Sunday so you can preach about it. So that's what I did this year. And um, what we're really celebrating at the ascension of Christ is that we have the right man in the right place at the right time. He's exactly where we need him to be. I don't know if you caught the way our opening passage today started. It's kind of a bizarre beginning. Details are important when you're reading Scripture. As we started the book of Acts, this is the first line of the book of Acts. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up. I've dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Began to do and teach. It's an interesting way to start the book because you know what part one of this book was? The Gospel of Luke. Which is pretty much Jesus' birth, life, death, and resurrection. It sounds like he's done. (laughs) But Luke is very clear to tell us that he's only begun what he's doing. As the book of Acts, sometimes called the Gospel of the Holy Spirit, gets kicked into gear. Jesus is going to take that finished work on the cross and carry the message home. Be in a place where he is equally accessible to all people at the same time. He's going to be at the right hand of the Father, which as I explained to the kids means he's God's right hand man. He's the one who does what needs to be done for God. That's a technical term from the ancient word. Right-hand man is, is an ancient term for what the king's errand boy. Okay? The man who the king trusted the most. Now, what we see is that in the book of Revelation, those of us who have been studying it, we see a giant worship service that's going on in heaven all the time. And right at the center of the worship service, on the throne, at the altar, is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus himself. And I want to read to you what the book of Hebrews says is going on up there in heaven. This is what Jesus is doing. He says, For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now what the author of Hebrews is picturing for us is Jesus as our great high priest. Now if you want to know what a priest did in the ancient world, a priest offered sacrifice to God on behalf of the sins of the people. 
So every time the people would sin, there was a blood offering to be, be given, and the people would have, or some kind of offering, sometimes it was blood, an animal was sacrificed, and the priest sacrificed the animal to atone for the person's sin. Atone means, without getting too much into it, to make right, to set things right with God. And we're pictured, what's pictured now is Jesus as our great high priest interceding for us the same way that the high priest did in the earthly temple, but now in this heavenly worship service. And the sacrifice he offers is not that of an animal. It is his own self. This is the it is finished of the cross playing out for eternity in heaven. And he is interceding for us. We've got the right man in the right place at the right time. Because I'll tell you the truth, I don't know about you, but I cannot seem to shake this sin habit. Some days it's little sins, some days it's bigger sins, but I seem to be always in need of someone to intercede for my sins. And fortunately I've got someone who has claimed me and washed me in his blood to do just that. And so do you. And if you want to know how important it is to have just the right person in the right place at the right time, there's an episode from American history that taught me this lesson probably better than any other. In 1839, a Spanish schooner pulled out of Havana, Cuba to make for Port-au-Prince on another part of the island. In the hold, in the cargo hold, were 53 African slaves. These men were born from the Mendi tribe in West Africa and were born free. They had been captured, beaten, and put aboard, brought into the East India slave tra- trade. The West, excuse me, West Indies slave trade. And um, they, in, the, in that move from Havana to Port-au-Prince, some of them broke out of their chains and they, they mutinied. They took over the ship. They killed the captain and the cook in the process. They spared the lives of the two Spanish men who had bought them in the slave market so that they could take the ship back to Africa and get them home. Well, these Spaniards, they did sail the ship east. The ship is called, was called La Amistad, which ironically means friendship. They would sail east during the day, but when these freed slaves would go to sleep at night, they would turn the boat around and go west. Until finally, they ended up up near Brooklyn, and the U.S. Navy captured the boat, took all of them prisoner, and remanded them in custody for trial to Connecticut, where they were to face charges of piracy, insurrection, and murder. Roger Baldwin a lawyer of that time, took on their case because he uncovered evidence that they were born free, which meant that according to international law, they could not be enslaved. They were illegally held, even under the cruel laws of the slave trade. And they were deser- deserved to be set free. He made the case to the district court and won So they kicked it up to the Circuit Court of Appeals. And there, he made the same case and won. And it appeared that these 53 men were going to be set free and sent home to West Africa. 
And this is when President Van Buren stepped in. Van Buren was terrified of the possibility of a civil war over the issue of slavery. So he asked the United States Supreme Court to review the ruling of the circuit court. The majority of the, of the um, Supreme Court justices at that time were southern slave owners. So he had no doubt of how that verdict would come back. He was counting on a guilty verdict so they could be remanded to Cuba to face execution. Roger Baldwin knew he was not competent to argue this case before the United States Supreme Court. So he went to former President John Quincy Adams and asked him to come out of retirement and help him. John Quincy Adams was viciously anti-slavery and he took the case. At 72 years old, he stood for three hours before the court and made the case that these were rightfully free men. When the closing arguments were done, the justices retired to their chambers. And only after two weeks, came back with a verdict of not guilty. And these men got to go home. We, too, are sold as slaves to sin, we are told by Scripture. We, too, are under a death sentence. But we have someone to intercede for us. He's in the right place at the right time. And He has set us free. We are now His people to go forth into the world and spread the message of the freedom that can only come in the gospel. That is what we celebrate on Ascension Day. That our Lord who reigns on high is coming again to save us. And He's in the right place now to do so. Hear this passage from Hebrews. Now there have been many high priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, He has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, He is able to save completely those who come to God through Him. Because He always lives to intercede for them. Such a high priest truly meets our need. Will you please join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we hear of your great love for us in that famous passage of John 3.16 and think how our Lord continues to minister to us from heaven and for us, interceding for us, reclaiming us from the jaws of sin and death that we might live as His free and righteous people. Help us, O oh Lord, to keep our minds focused upon Him, that we might live in His grace all the days of our lives. This we ask in the name of our great risen and ascended High Priest, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Now 
Sleeping, that presence, my life. 